Hello, 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 and welcome back to the SLP Corner podcast. And welcome our very special, frequent, returning guest, <laughs> almost co-host at this point. Welcome to the podcast, Guggen. Hello, hello. Hope you guys are well. We are so excited because we have a great topic today and I'm very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be talking all about language sampling today. Yeah. So language sampling for new grads or SLPs to be, let's just go over what it is and why we do it. Because I think that that is probably a good place to start for people who are like, wait, what does that even mean? What are you talking about language sampling? Do you want to go ahead and explain what it is? So this is using um, different kinds of methods to get a sample of the language. So it's literally just a sample of the language and you could use it instead of standardized testing or in addition to the standardized test that you're already going to do. Mm -hmm. And language sampling is so important because there's so much information you can get. Mm -hmm. It's so quick, it's so efficient, Mm -hmm. and you, it's great for adding in information to your reports, Mm -hmm. and it's just very functional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's literally just getting a small or big sample of a child's language. So the reason why we do it is because, like you said, we want information. And it provides so much information. For example, on the cell five, where there's a word structure subtest, you elicit for all these grammatical structures, right? But the child may kind of have a vague understanding of those grammatical structures, but they might not actually use it in their day-to-day language and yeah. when they communicate. So what we're trying to figure out is what does the kid do what are their strengths and what is missing when they're actually communicating yeah because they might have a vague idea like you're saying of like plural s and they might use it but then when they're actually communicating and talking that's completely omitted or maybe when they're trying to generate a sentence like formulated sentences maybe in an environment where they have time it's quiet we're literally just looking at their language systems then they can maybe come up with a longer, more complex sentence. But when there's different demands on them in the environment, functionally they're not using sentences at that level of complexity that we're seeing with standardized testing. So standardized testing, though, is helpful because it completely isolates the language system. You take away all of the different demands on the language system, like distractions, if a child has any ADHD or if they have a lot of anxiety sometimes like in the classroom with lots of different things going on, maybe sensory processing disorder, you're kind of eliminating all of that. Very safe, calm place with an SLP. So you can really get a look at just the language. But in addition to that, we also need to know, but how are they using language in their day-to-day life? And if they do struggle with anything like attention or difficulties with their vocabulary, that will also show up in your language sampling, hopefully. Yeah. But What I really mean to say is language sampling is brief, efficient, and gives you tons of information. Okay, so let's just dive into um, what materials do you use? Yeah, okay. So when I do an initial consult, I will always do a language sample just because I, if I'm going to use any standardized testing, I try not to do it in the first session. Um, But it's a great way to kind of build rapport. So first I ask them to 
like just I ask them what do you like to do this is what I like to do we have a back and forth conversation then I will use a wordless picture book like frog where are you that's fantastic and um, that author has other great books and I think there's a series of four to five books that are wordless yep they're all wordless you could also go onto YouTube and look up wordless videos oh nice and um, get them to retell I love doing that especially for some of my older kids and another thing I do is I spent an hour one day and I I made a huge document with pictures, um, like complex pictures that have a lot of silly things going on, and I will like share that with anyone who wants it. Look at her keener over here. I now I use that for all my clients because I scroll through this document and it's a picture of people snowboarding, but there's someone randomly in a bathtub in the middle. Like it's just a little alarming and child has to describe all that so it's a great way to pick up on their language so maybe you should make a teachers pay teachers page and put that on there so people can have the resources you've created (laughs) Uh, she has so many resources you guys and she just won't create a teachers pay teachers page and I'm like Guggen you could be giving people these resources maybe freebies maybe a charge maybe a little bit of both but she has all these resources and I'm like oh my god people need to like experience these resources that you made okay so Let's recap. So wordless picture books like Frog Where Are You, that series has some good ones. If you Google also wordless picture books, some will come up like um, Epic Books and Reading A to Z has some. YouTube videos of wordless books. Videos. Videos. And then um, if there's sound, just mute it. One other point is getting them to talk about their favorite TV show. I will Google images things and I will tell them like, tell me about this character or like what happened in this episode Mm -hmm. kind of thing. For any new guys listening, let's get specific. Mm -hmm. So when you have a book like Frog, Where Are You? Or you have a video, we need to kind of dive into do we first introduce it, read it to them in our own words, then get them to retell it to us. Yes. So I will tell the child like, hey, let's watch this video. I'll pause once in a while and we'll have a chit chat about it. Or I will read the wordless picture book to you and we will look at the pictures and describe them and I'll do it first. And then it's your turn to be the teacher and you get to tell me what was happening based on the images that Mm -hmm. you saw. And that is how, so I give them a heads up that, hey, you're going to have to do something after this. So they're prepared. There's some things on Teachers Pay Teachers that I've gotten. This is also diving a little bit into narrative language, of course, if like there's a story retell involved. But then at the same time, you can get such a good look at their language and their language systems in that. But you can just show them a series of like four pictures and it could be like the classic Cinderella story. Yes. Cinderella, the shoe. Like you could do things like that. You can go online and find four pictures of a very common fairy tale that we all know and go through each section of it in your own words and then have them retell a little bit of narrative language, a little bit of language sampling um you could audio record the like interaction or you could be taking quick notes on your laptop or writing them down um yeah so then because I work in private practice parents are often there so I will ask them for permission and I will say hey can I record two to three minutes just so I can um look at it later and I can properly just analyze and get all the information I need parents never have a problem with it and um being able to record and go back I find is so much more helpful because if you're looking at things like grammar you might miss that when you um transcribe on the spot or you might assume that the kid uh, is involved is doing is using a certain grammatical element even if they're not just because your mind might trick you into like transcribing it down so I find that recording two to three minutes is all you need if you're writing a report oftentimes I don't know if other people have been there but 
SSSLPs, we have so much to think about in one session, like morphology, syntax, what early language systems are we not seeing? Are we seeing any social challenges or social communication challenges? haven't even mentioned motor speech or articulation phonology so there's a lot we're thinking about so oftentimes in reports I get to the speech sound section and I'm like oh my goodness I spent so much time worrying about the language so much time focusing on the social communication and I totally didn't have enough notes on their speech sound development so the recording the audio recording is so helpful because you go back you can hear all these speech sounds that's sometimes the least important thing in my mind when a child comes in with like language disorder or just delay. What are things you look out for? This is interesting, again, because I agree, like articulation, sometimes you might not actually assess it with like a GFTA, a standardized test, but even looking at it informally, having that recording is helpful. So articulation, of course, you're always kind of looking at that. But the specific, very specific things I'm looking for is the grammatical elements and for that I take a developmental approch um, and I have a great handout. Um, Another, that, did you make it? No, this one okay. I found. It, it just, uh, it has Brown's morphemes on it and then it includes the type of structures you would expect by a certain age that I'm Alison Force. Not Alison Force. Who it's, is it? Let's tell uh, them it's, it's called Early Morphological Development and uh, I think if you Google that you could find it online and it's if you Google maybe Center for Speech and Language Pathology. Mm, okay. There's no author on this Thanks. document but look that up you guys. Okay. Um, okay. So here's a list of things I will look for. Grammar. Following a developmental approach. Uh, sentence length and complexity. What do they have and what are they missing? For example, I have a client on my caseload with a DLD and I did a language sample with her and it was very telling because her sentence length was not that long, like it was quite short, but she was also consistently missing the subjects in um, sentences. So one of my first goals for her was SVO, like mm. we are starting there, like mm. Let's just start with the basics. Let's get that down. Mm -hmm. um, so we're looking at what do they have and what are they missing following the developmental approach. And another thing I look for is vocabulary and semantic complexity. So for example, when I use frog, where are you? I had one of my uh, students and clients actually call the pond like an ocean or a river where it's so close but it's not quite there or they will um, call a deer like a moose or they will mix up kind of some of these terms and it's actually really telling like you have a general sense of what this thing is but you're missing the exact vocab or you can't get it out in that moment so is it processing is it like vocabulary um, uh, difficulties with vocabulary so that is really really important to kind of look for and then I also look for what kind of prompting do they need and what do they benefit from so of course I will go on like if I'm using a narrative language um, like let's say wordless picture book I will tell them like what is happening I will read it out to them right based on the pictures but in this spot you're gonna have to adapt some kids just cannot retell you the story and I've had one child that was just a little lost and a little confused and so I figured out okay my client needs way more verbal prompts she will need so many of them and that's how she will thrive mm -hmm. she needs me to point to the pictures very specific parts of the pictures she needs me to repeat 
or she needs me to elicit or help her elicit whatever. So the frog is going and then she can say up, down, away, whatever. Um, but it helps me figure out the level of prompting she needs. Again, following that hierarchy, like uh, very general prompts and cues to very, very specific. Mm-hmm. So that is what I look for generally. So okay. again, like you can see a two to three minute audio clip can tell you so yeah, much. That's so helpful. I love how specific that was. Okay. So um, we're going to dive into an episode on narrative language because that deserves an entire episode all yeah. to itself. But can you, because we've already touched on it a little bit. Yes. Because of course it's almost inevitable, especially if you're doing retells. Yes. Can you a little bit touch on what you're looking for in the sample when it comes to narrative language? But then yes. we will dive into this in depth because narrative language could, honestly, I could, we could talk about that for so long. There is so much there and it's such an important part of our job but um okay take it away okay so first I just want to say I'm obsessed with narrative language uh the microstructure the macrostructure I love it all um I think narrative language sampling is so important and again I my expectations are so when I'm assessing I use again a developmental approach so I have a general understanding of between this age and this age this should appear or that um, narrative element should appear and again I'm looking for what do they have and what are they missing Mm -hmm. that is always like the most important Mm -hmm. part of assessment what do they have what are they missing Mm -hmm. and that is so telling to Mm -hmm. me so just going over some of the sample materials that I think um, are low cost to free and super accessible for preschool to first or second grade I will use frog where are you but the author mercer mayer has so many great wordless picture books it's actually insane you can get like five of them for like 15 20 bucks on amazon and i i that was like the best investment in my career honestly a 20 dollar package because i use them for every kid oh my goodness okay and Mm -hmm. for second grade Pookins Gets Her Way that's also another wordless picture book Mm -hmm. as well as Porcupine Named Fluffy for third grade Mm -hmm. Dr. DeSoto for fourth to sixth grade I haven't done um a lot of narrative language assessments for some of the older kids but I've done a ton for and like kids between like preschool and grade like three-ish and okay yeah so I haven't personally use Dr. DeSoto, but I've heard amazing things. Okay, that's so helpful. So anyone, you can like rewind and um, write, take some notes on your phone um, on those because that's really helpful, but I'll also make some posts on that too um, because I know everyone really likes those takeaways and like what resources they can get. Yes, and now I want to kind of just quickly talk about the wordless videos. There are so many great ones on YouTube. The three that I personally use for my younger kids is Mouse for Sale mm-hmm. by Wooter Bongart. I don't know how to say that name. Okay. Sorry, but it's a Disney favorite. So Mouse for Sale. This is great for your younger kids, like preschool to like the second grade, I would say. Mm-hmm. And then for like preschool to like second, third grade, the present is fantastic. Um, I love that oh, one. But do you mute it? I do mute it. And there's not very much There is very yet. limited talking. Yeah. You're right. The present yeah. is... Oh, we should have a whole episode yes. on Pixar short films. They're yes. so good I for love social them. language. Oh, my God. And then yeah. for my older kids, this one is a little bit more complex. So Snack Attack. Oh, yeah. We love Snack Attack. It's great. I, um, guys, if you have not explored Pixar short films... Yeah. 
literally there is so much you can do with them and it's free and they're free they're so good and kids kind of love them yeah because they're quite i don't know they're very engaging i even like them okay uh, sorry continue okay so going back to the narrative sampling again i'm looking at pragmatics perspective taking vocabulary grammar their sequencing ability do they sequence in order based on some of the pictures and some of my uh, students I've found actually really struggle with that and so it it helps me kind of figure out where am I going to base my goals and okay I look at microstructure and macrostructure Mm -hmm. which we will talk more about Mm -hmm. in our episode about narrative language Mm -hmm. but just letting you guys know that there are two big things that we look for. Mm-hmm. So I really focus on the macro structure because I find a lot of my students actually struggle with it a lot. So so, so wait, I, I always want to slow things down for new grads and SLPs to be because I know a lot of SLPs to be are listening to this as young as high school. So can you talk about what you mean when you say macro structure yes. and micro structure? So, okay, so for the macro structure, I'm looking at introduction. For example, do they launch into the story with little attempt to provide the setting? Or do they describe the setting? Mm -hmm. Um, For characters, are all main characters mentioned? And so um, I will kind of make note, do they mention the frog and the dog, which are very, very present in the story? So if they're not mentioning them, then I will note that down. I will look at the initiating event. So I, I... make it pretty specific like I have a specific checklist of things I want to do so initiating an event um like for example in frog where are you do they mention the frog went missing or do they just kind of assume that I know and Mm. we've talked about it but I want them to mention it Mm because they're retelling me the story mental states so this is not just like the big macro structure but it's something that I look out for so do they mention that oh the boy might have felt sad when the frog went missing or they feel happy when they found the frog at the end do they use those kind of words uh, do they predict for example when the boy's behind the log and he hears something what could it be um, and that's something I might kind of assess while I'm telling the story in the first place not mm-hmm. when they already know mm-hmm. conflict resolution do they state the conflict um, and what happened and are they describing the attempts to solve the conflict? And is the resolution explicitly stated? Mm-hmm. Those are things I look for. Again, this is quite complex. I wouldn't necessarily do this with like a preschooler. But these are things to look out for. And conclusion, what happened at the very ending? Okay. So, and then in terms of microstructure, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. looking for a few different things. So, I would look for things like word structure, again, that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Verb accuracy, the complexity of their sentences, the number of different words. Um, do they use things like uh, adjectives correctly and modify verbs? So, yeah. It's just getting a little bit more specific, whereas mm-hmm. the macro structure is the big picture yeah. ideas. Okay. Okay. And um, let's talk about writing all of the, res- the results of a language sample into our report. What does that look like? So that next step. I personally love including the, transcri- the transcription mm-hmm. of the retail into my report so that the readers whether it's school staff medical professionals parents teachers whatever Mm -hmm. they know exactly what I did exactly what the client said and we're very clear and they can see it for themselves so how long would that be for someone who's like wait I have never done this like do I include all three minutes do I include five lines do I only include the parts that are telling do I only include it in examples in the report when I'm talking about something I saw you can do it so many different ways. For example, when I talk about expressive language for the clients that I assess, I will use examples from the narrative retail to kind of 
just provide evidence for what I'm stating. But I like to also, if it's like a frog, where are you retail? I will like it's it's not that long it takes two minutes to transcribe it out and it's very easy to if you're already transcribing it uh you will have that transcription so it's just you copy paste it into the into the report and then after that i add in a table with all the macro and microstructure elements and and so on the left side of the table i'm writing out the element like the introduction the characters the initiating event and then on the right side of the table I am looking at the results from the storytelling. So that's where I provide my analysis. Okay. So is there anything else we want to cover that maybe last thoughts, final thoughts on language sampling? I think narrative language sampling is important. And specifically, the wordless picture books are great for assessment and therapy. So I just really highly suggest mm-hmm. yeah. assessing narrative language skills. Incorporating it into your practice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one thing I was going to say too is I know a lot of SLPs that I work with take small language samples every session and put it into their chart note. Yes. And I would recommend doing that. I've started doing that too. Same. I think it's worthwhile to have a small language sample in yeah. your chart notes. So what I've actually found is when I need to reassess or write a progress note, sometimes it's just kind of hard if you yeah. write like – in three out of five opportunities they produced this but it's like if you have a language sample like like five to ten sentences even like even five sentences it will give you such specific information qualitative instead of just that quantitative like 80 percent accuracy it's like but we want to see what it looks like yeah 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 because they might be saying something but with a lot of support you want to add in all those kind of elements and writing that all down in your chart note it takes like literally one second and it's just so good for your progress notes yeah your all your that's going to be so helpful yeah. for progress reports having language sampling in each uh, chart note for yeah or ip meetings or team yeah meetings, yeah that's like true that. too ip meetings i've had SL, school slps i find some school slps um that i've worked with are really good at narrative language i yeah anyways so during ip meetings i've had them they've actually read out their language sample from a book and I've always found that at least my SLP brain like I don't know about everyone else in the meeting but I'm like oh that's yeah. so helpful yeah. to hear exactly what he said and the reason why narrative language is so awesome is it's like big bang for your buck like you can target so much in narrative language you can target vocab um you could target grammatical elements and syntax like it's just so yeah amazing yeah. I love it Wow, that was so helpful. I even found that helpful because you just literally went through so many different videos and books and like explained everything. And um, Gagan is very um, modest, but her reports are amazing. Her <laughs> reports are so good. I'm going to brag about you that child psychologists <laughs> have emailed her and told her clients that this is the best report I've ever seen from an SLP. Yeah. So we're lucky to have you on to talk about report writing because your reports the are words- amazing were okay so not not modest (laughs) she's ready to brag about herself (laughs) the report was mind-blowing and the psychologist told the parents not to brag or anything but I love report writing because I feel like it's such a good way to advocate for students but that is a topic for another time yeah 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 okay well I hope you guys enjoyed this I know you probably did because that was just a lot of information super helpful um hopefully new grads and SLPs to be found this helpful too if you haven't been language sampling hopefully SLPs who are working got some ideas for new ways to incorporate language sampling into your practice 
Thank you so much for coming on, Guggen. Of course. I'm always happy to be on. Wait, big surprise. If you didn't see the Instagram, Guggen, where's your new job? I'm joining Speech Meta. Can I get a what, what? (laughs) (laughs) We're so excited she's joining the team at Speech Meta. So anyways, enjoy the podcast and I will see you next Monday.